You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about functional medicine. I'm joined by Dr. Ann McCarthy, who's a pediatrician in New Mexico. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited that you asked me to do this. So let's start off because a lot of people probably are already asking, what is functional medicine? So can you help kind of give us a definition of that? Yeah. um, First, I think it's important to say that functional medicine is not an alternative medicine. Mm -hmm. It's in addition to or complementary to conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is that a patient would work with a functional medicine doctor um, alongside their general practitioner Mm -hmm. or subspecialist like a cardiologist, neurologist, gastroenterologist, whoever it might be. So it's augmenting the care that you're getting and not replacing that care. Right. Exactly. And so together they would make lifestyle changes and then oftentimes they start to get better Mm -hmm. and then they can reduce or eliminate the medications that they're on. Mm -hmm. But that's done with the guidance of both the functional medicine doctor Mm -hmm. and the conventional medicine doctors and Mm -hmm. some specialists. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really answer your question. Right. But it's an important important distinction. Yeah. So what is it? What is functional medicine? I really see it as... um, putting healthcare back in the hands of patients so that Mm -hmm. they can take an active role in their health. Great. So it really shifts from this like disease-centered focus that we have to a more patient-centered approach Mm -hmm. um, by looking at the whole person and not by looking at just isolated symptoms. Mm -hmm. So I think the best way to explain it is through an example. And the easiest example would be heartburn or reflux. Mm And so a patient comes in, they're complaining of this pain in their chest, and they're given an antacid or a PPI, proton Mm -hmm. pump inhibitor, and their symptoms get better. Mm -hmm. It's great. It works. But it doesn't really address the underlying cause. Mm -hmm. So the functional medicine doctor would say, but why are you having this reflux? Mm -hmm. What could be going on? And looking for that root cause Mm -hmm. or underlying condition. So everyone's biology is different, and everyone has a different genetic makeup. Mm -hmm. And so you work with that person to find out why they have the reflux. And what's great about it is there could be five different patients that come in with reflux, Mm -hmm. and all five of them could have different cause. One might be their diet. One might be reflux from too much coffee, Mm -hmm. maybe not enough sleep, maybe too much stress. And so it's really an individualized approach. Mm -hmm. But how do the doctors actually do this? They spend more time with the patients. So they get to talk with their patients for an hour, Mm -hmm. maybe even two hours. And Mm -hmm. the histories that they take go all the way back to prenatal time. Um, And then they also do multi-day diet histories. So Mm -hmm. you might ask the patient to write down what they're eating for five days Mm -hmm. and really go over it with detail. And that takes a lot of time, which we definitely don't have in our appointments. Mm -hmm. Um, And then together they kind of come up with the underlying cause or what they think might be doing that for them and then address it that way. Mm -hmm. And so right now, I think we're really good at acute care. So you get in a car crash, you have a terrible accident, we can save your life. Right. If you get an infection, we can give you an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a breathing machine or a heart pump. We have all those things. Mm-hmm. But I think we really fall short 
when it comes to addressing chronic disease like mm-hmm. obesity, diabetes, heart disease, ADHD, mm-hmm. um, abdominal pain, mm-hmm. and even autoimmune diseases. Right. We have a lot of drugs that can address these symptoms and make people feel better, but we don't have a lot of real solutions that get at the root cause of all of these diseases. And some of that, like you said, is because of not having the time right. to necessarily dig around for what we might know are some of the triggers or causes, but we don't have the time to maybe get that deeper history that you're saying that you can get with functional medicine. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a big part of it. Um, and then also not asking what's wrong or what's the diagnosis, diagnosis but asking why mm-hmm. does this patient have these symptoms or why does this patient have this diagnosis? Mm-hmm. And there are conventional medicine doctors out there who are asking that question. They're mm-hmm. asking why. But we've all been trained in this acute care model, Mm -hmm. and most of us are still practicing that way. Mm -hmm. And as the number of people with chronic disease increases and continues to increase, I think we really need this evolution in medicine Mm -hmm. to move away from this acute care model Mm -hmm. and more to a patient-centered approach Mm -hmm. so we can address the underlying cause and then really make an individualized plan for each patient. Um, And I really think that's what functional medicine is trying to do. Mm You mentioned it as an evolution of medicine, but interestingly, it kind of reminds me of sort of how things used to be many years ago when there wasn't as much yeah. science necessarily, where like you, you grew up with this doctor who knew everything about your family and they knew about your house, they knew about your job, they knew about your pets, they knew everything about you so that they may have that kind of like more intimate knowledge of someone and on all the things that could be contributing to their disease. So it's almost like in some ways you're describing it as the future, but it's also a little bit of the past. Yeah, I think it's probably evolving backwards, right. but bringing with us everything that we have. Right, all the science that we learned in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah, great. So how is functional medicine different from integrative medicine? You mentioned a little bit like this is not an alternative medicine, but how is it different than some of the integrative medicine Um, practices that we know of that are out there? Um, Well, functional medicine is really both integrative medicine and a science-based healthcare approach. Mm -hmm. So it really combines Western medicine with integrative therapies Mm -hmm. um, by kind of addressing nutrition, exercise, diet, lifestyle, such as sleep and stress Mm -hmm. management with alternative therapies. Right. So yoga, meditation, Um, acupuncture, Mm -hmm. hypnotherapy, whatever it might be for that person, but then also uses the latest laboratory testing to analyze the microbiome, Mm -hmm. look at nutritional deficiencies, and maybe toxin levels in the blood or genetic testing that they Mm -hmm. can do. And then also the doctors can prescribe uh, conventional medicines Mm -hmm. alongside supplements. Mm -hmm. Great. So you mentioned that chronic diseases are becoming more of a problem. So what are some of the major influencers that contribute to chronic disease? Uh, Well, functional medicine organizes these kind of factors into lifestyle environmental factors. Mm -hmm. There are eight of them. Uh, The first one is nutrition. And Dr. Mark Hyman has a really good quote that I like. It says, chronic disease is a foodborne illness. We ate our way into this mess and we must eat our way out. Mm -hmm. I think that's really true because I see food as like the center of all health. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of exercise and movement. Mm-hmm. 26% of Americans now sit greater than eight hours a day. Wow. 
Three is lack of sleep and relaxation. One in three adults are not getting the recommended seven hours of sleep mm. each night. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and four, stress, lack of resilience. I just think you see this everywhere, every mm-hmm. day when we're just greeting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we say, hey, how are you? We used to say, fine. Right. Now we say, busy. Everyone's just really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of beneficial relationships and community. A recent survey found that 20,000 U.S. adults, um, nearly half of them felt lonely, Hmm. which is really sad. Mm -hmm. Um, Six is trauma. We all know about the um, adverse uh, clinical events study, the ACEs study, where Mm -hmm. they had 17,000 patients or survey takers, Mm -hmm. and 28% of those had physical abuse, and 21% had sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And seven, microorganisms. So this could be the microbiome mm-hmm. and dysbiosis that you might have in your gut. Um, there, you know, I think it's really interesting that we have just as much, if not more, bacteria in our body than we have human cells, mm-hmm. and we're really just starting to understand this. Yeah. And now the research is showing that the health of our microbiome in our gut is influencing the health of our brain. Mm-hmm. And what this means for us, we don't know yet, right. um, but it'll be really great to see where this goes because I think it's an important part of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one is environmental pollutants. This is everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's in our water, potentially. It's in our air. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in our food. It's mm-hmm. in all the products that we put on our skin. Um, just to be aware of what we're putting in our body is mm-hmm. a big thing. And I don't know if you remember, in May of this year, there was that article in Seattle where they found the trace amounts of oxycodone in the mussels Mm -hmm. um, in the bay. And so we just don't know where it's going to turn up, and we Mm -hmm. just need to be vigilant about it. Right. Um, So all of these eight influencers, um, in combination with our genetic predisposition, emotional and spiritual influences, and attitudes, beliefs, and life experience, Mm -hmm. all kind of come together to create chronic disease. Right. That's a lot of stuff, obviously, to yeah. cover in a 15-minute visit, which yes. is why, as you said, functional medicine has that advantage. So what are some of the ways that you gather the clinical history in functional medicine that are kind of different or unique? There is a tool in functional medicine called the timeline, mm-hmm. and it goes through the entire history from prenatal all the way until current day. Mm-hmm. And so you would start with if there was maternal stress when you were in utero. Mm-hmm. Um, it would go into if you were C-section or vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. Did you take antibiotics as an infant? Uh, and then in childhood, were there any traumas? Was there any childhood illness? Mm-hmm. And then moving on to college marriage, work experience and stress, Mm -hmm. kids, divorce, whatever it might be. And those don't all impact kids directly, but if it's happening in the household, it Mm -hmm. can play a role in their health as well. Right. Like you said, those adverse childhood um, events, they sort of, you can tally them up, right? Like a lot of people come from a family with divorce and and are are perfectly fine, but there may be multiple others. So maybe your parents were divorced and you had these other traumas in your past and these things all kind of accumulate um, some effect on you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Having this timeline and going through all of these different events and things, we can look back and it gives patients insight mm-hmm. um, into all of their life events. And mm-hmm. it's you see it there mm-hmm. all in front of you. And then it's really powerful to have that story told back to you by the physician. Mm-hmm. And so it motivates the patient to engage more fully in their treatment plan and make those really difficult modifications to their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what could be better than having that feeling of your doctor really knowing you? Yeah. Right. Like, nothing. 
Yeah, like <laughs> feeling like they actually know you so that you believe in the treatment plan because they know it will work for you versus not real, you know, feeling yeah. like, well, they don't know what I'm going through and they're just giving me this medication. And right. that definitely changes just even from the, um, the way that the patient approaches taking their medicine with like compliance, right? Like exactly. That, you know, if you feel like you believe it because you know your doctor really knows you, that mm-hmm. you may buy into the treatment plan, even if it's the same exact treatment plan as another prescriber. Exactly. I think that relationship is key. Mm-hmm. And you can't build that without time. Right. Right. So lifestyle modifications can change the trajectory of diseases. However, there can be, these can be some of the hardest uh, changes that we ask patients to make. And they're very time consuming for us to address in primary care because that counseling can take a long time. So how does functional medicine approach kind of the lifestyle modification piece with their patients. Yeah, I think this is exactly right. This is the challenge mm-hmm. for every doctor, every physician. Um, making these modifications is really hard work, and it's solely on the patient to make that change, mm-hmm. right? right? So I think functional medicine tries to do this in five different ways, probably more, but these are the five that I could think of. The mm-hmm. first is the timeline that I just spoke about. Mm-hmm. Having it all right there your whole life on one piece of paper and having the doctor tell it back to you mm-hmm. is quite powerful. Right. Um, you can really see your life choices that you've been making and how it might be affecting your current health. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is the appointments are much longer mm-hmm. than the 15, 30 minutes that we have conventionally. Like I said, they can be upwards of two hours mm-hmm. or just multiple visits over a shorter period of time. Right. Uh, and then the doctor and the patient are working together to uncover those causes and underlying causes, right? Mm-hmm. So if the patient isn't open and honest, it's not going to work. Right. Um, and like we were saying with the reflux, you have five different potential causes, mm-hmm. and you're not going to know what that is for each patient unless you review all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then third... Um, the patient is often set up with a nutritionist or a life coach, and they will check in daily or weekly or maybe even monthly mm-hmm. just to make sure that that patient is staying on track. Mm-hmm. And then fourth, which isn't really fair, but patients who seek functional medicine already mm-hmm. know what they're getting into, mm-hmm. and they're already very motivated to change and have already started to make those lifestyle changes. Right. So it's a different audience. Right. They've already sought out a functional medicine yeah. physician, too, right. which takes some... It's not a little bit of effort because there isn't one like in, in your backyard necessarily. Right, right. And not many people even know what functional medicine is or right. have heard the term. Right. Um, and then fifth is financial buy-in. Mm-hmm. So some functional medicine doctors will accept insurance only. Mm-hmm. Some will do a hybrid of insurance and cash, and mm-hmm. some will do cash only. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to be said with making a financial sacrifice mm-hmm. and a financial investment in your health. Mm-hmm. That can be a very big motivator for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's like a multi-pronged approach to how you can address these lifestyle factors that give a little bit of an advantage to the functional medicine um, physicians in a good way. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully they work. So what are some of the key components of functional nutrition? Because that seems like the nutrition piece is a huge part of what functional medicine is doing. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the thing about functional medicine. There's not a one diet fits all Mm -hmm. patients. It's all very individualized. Everyone has different genetic makeup, different nutritional needs, Mm -hmm. and different conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be very tailored to that patient. 
but most functional medicine doctors believe that food is medicine. Mm -hmm. And so a safe place to start would be eliminating bad food because mm -hmm. bad food is bad medicine. Mm -hmm. And those would include um, junk food. So mm -hmm. sugars, processed flours, chemicals, mm -hmm. additives, MSG, high fructose corn syrup, trans fats, and artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. um, all of these foods cause inflammation and they cause inflammation in our cells. Um, and so it's just better to eat whole foods, real foods. Mm -hmm. And what I like to say with the kids is to eat the rainbow. Mm -hmm. So every day you try to eat a different vegetable or fruit from the color of the rainbow and you check it off as you go. Mm -hmm. So you might have a tomato, which is red, or right. purple for purple carrots. Right. Um, who knows what it could be, but mm -hmm. it's fun for the kids to check it off as they go throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Great, that's a good tip. Are there um, certain diseases for which a patient might seek out a functional medicine physician because it's best suited to that sort of a practice model? Yeah, absolutely. You uh, mentioned reflux, certainly. So, that, yeah. so that's okay. I think all chronic disease. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go to your functional medicine doctor if you've you know broken your arm. Right. That's not right. what it is for. Um, but definitely all chronic disease. And for mm -hmm. kids, I'd say specifically gastrointestinal issues. Mm -hmm. So IBS, chronic diarrhea, chronic mm -hmm. constipation, and then neurologic like headaches, ADHD, autism, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. and then things like chronic pain and obesity, mm -hmm. and then autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we are seeing an increase, like we said, in this chronic um, disease. We saw, uh, there was a JAMA article, and it said that chronic disease had doubled in 12 mm -hmm. years. The mm -hmm. time period was 1994 to 2006. So the percent of children with chronic disease went from 12.8% to 26.6%. Mm. And a big portion of that is obesity. Right. And obesity has tripled since the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And now almost 20% of our children in America are obese. Mm -hmm. And in Georgia, it's closer to 40%. Mm. And... 75% of the parents who have patients that are obese or overweight mm -hmm. don't recognize the problem. Mm -hmm. So I think we have a lot of work to do right. um, when it comes to obesity, and I feel like functional medicine could really play a strong role. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. So one of the um, questions that I think people have about any, um, any medicine that's outside of the mainstream a little bit is whether or not it's anti-vaccine. And I know that sometimes when we talk about environmental toxins mm -hmm. and lifestyle choices that, that that brings up some of those vaccine concerns and hesitancy. Um, so is functional medicine anti-vaccine? No, certainly not. Uh, vaccines are a very important part of preventative health care. And I think that most functional medicine doctors would agree that vaccines are necessary. Mm -hmm. Good to know. <laughs> um, so what are some tips that primary care can learn from functional medicine and incorporate into our practices? Because as we said, um, there may not be a functional medicine uh, practice nearby. And certainly, even if there was, we could learn and, some, and incorporate some of those techniques. But we don't have an hour to two hours with each patient. Right. So what are some strategies that we could perhaps steal and use in our practice? I would encourage uh, doctors to walk into the room with a different question. Mm -hmm. Instead of asking what's wrong or what's the diagnosis, kind of flip it around and say, why is this patient having these symptoms mm -hmm. or why do they have this diagnosis? Right. Um, and not that you can get through everything, but mm -hmm. just changing the question 
may change your approach to mm -hmm. handling or um, um, addressing the condition that they are in your office for. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing is, is I like to ask all my families if they can make one small change towards becoming healthier or making mm -hmm. a healthier lifestyle and letting the kid really answer that. Mm -hmm. And it's fun because they'll come up with different answers and they might just want to hang out with their family. So they say, go for a walk after dinner mm -hmm. or play basketball on the weekends as a family right. or no soda in the house right. um, or no Cheetos at the corner store after <laughs> school. They all know what's healthy and what's mm -hmm. not. Um, and if they can make one small healthy change, it can often lead to another and it can motivate the family to keep moving in that direction. I love those because we're always looking for ways to um, in, improve. I think that, uh, like you said, about getting to know your patients, I've found that even in sick visits, sometimes I'm trying to ask something about their life that seems unrelated. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's about school or it's about, you know, the the recent holiday that happened or their summer break or something. But it sometimes clues you in, even in that sick visit, the acute visit of like what's going on in the bigger picture of that child's life right. in a way that can be helpful. And so even little things like that in the in the fifteen minute sick visit can still add um, some benefit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So how would we refer a patient to a functional medicine physician if we were looking for one? Unfortunately, I think there are just a handful of functional medicine pediatricians in mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a quick search, and I saw that there were about 20 MDs or DOs who are certified in functional medicine mm -hmm. and see children. Mm -hmm. um, but most of those are family practitioners. It's important that you just noted certified. So can you just mention that there is a certification process for this? Yeah. So one of the certifying um, bodies is the Institute for Functional Medicine, mm -hmm. and it requires um, a core curriculum that takes often a couple years to complete. And then you have to do a case study and complete an examination, and then you would become certified in functional medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, which is helpful for people to know that difference because, like you said, there may be people out there that aren't certified that are promoting themselves as functional medicine. So just to know that distinction that there there is a process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a small community. It's a very <laughs> small community. Um, and there are also two large institutions who practice functional medicine. Mm -hmm. The first is the Cleveland Clinic, and that's the Center for Functional Medicine. Mm -hmm. And then Duke University has the Pediatric Integrative um, Center, which offers functional pediatrics. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, as people find out about functional medicine, mm -hmm. more pediatricians will want to learn more and maybe get certified. And mm -hmm. then patients who are looking for a little different approach um, we'll be able to find someone more readily. Mm -hmm. Great. So we will link to that Institute of Functional Medicine on our website so that people can use that to search near them. Our website is www.chop.edu slash pcppodcast, um, and people can look for, for Dr. McCarthy out in New Mexico soon. Um, and thank you so much for teaching us about this, because like you said, it is something that a lot of people don't know about, but I think we'll be very interested in. So thanks for shedding some light on this for yeah, us. Yeah, I hope it was helpful, and thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat. Thank you.